You're listening to The No Name Photo Show, the podcast dedicated to lively conversations about the creativity, business, and technology of photography. I'm your host, Brian Matiash. Let's chat. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 51 of The No Name Photo Show. I am your host, Brian Matiash. Uh, it's good to good to be back with all you guys. I, even though I put an episode out early last week, it feels like you know, because I'm, I'm publishing this one today, which is almost like two weeks later, even though it's technically the next business week, although in the U.S. with business week and government shutdowns, who knows what's going on. But that's for an entirely different show in an entirely different political uh, venue. So thank you again for joining. Uh, before I jump in and introduce my host, I just want to give you a little bit of a production note. So next Sunday, the 3rd of February, I'll be leaving for currently at least four weeks uh, traveling uh, through different parts of Europe in uh, the Dolomites in Slovenia, and then about 10 days or so, maybe more in Norway. And then possibly if my guest can get his act together um, in Iceland. So I will be bringing my recorder and a microphone. I'm going to, you know, record while I'm out in the field. The only thing is, you know, I, I really am happy and I'm very proud of the production quality of the show with regards to the audio quality, I, I do my best to make sure that when you're listening, it's it sounds good. So if the next several episodes are somewhat below the standard, please accept my apologies. Uh, just know that I'd rather get something, I wanna get stuff out to you consistently rather than going for a month to upwards of six weeks without anything. So I mentioned that you know part of this trip will be with my next guest. If you heard episode 20, which was if my math is correct, that's 31 episodes ago, um, you will know who I'm talking about. So uh, Colby Brown is here joining me and uh, I'll let him introduce himself, but I will be joining Colby in Norway. I've shot with Colby in Norway. Actually, we both went to the Lofoten Islands for the first time together in 2015 and shot together. I've also been with him uh, in Iceland and uh, Cuba. And it's just, Colby's uh, one of my closest friends. And so uh, I'm really happy to have him here. Colby, why don't you tell people a little bit more about yourself now that you're finally back home from, what, both poles of the planet? Absolutely. Well, thank you first off, Brian, for having me, of course. You know, I'm a big fan of the show. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, so I'm, those that don't know, my name is Colby Brown. I'm a landscape travel and wildlife photographer. I spend six to seven months a year traveling around the world, uh, different places, and Spend most of that time working on either projects for my own companies, both Colby Brown Photography and The Giving Lens, which Brian has worked a little bit with us as well. Um, doing a mixture of things between photo education and marketing campaigns for different countries around the world. Um, and as you said, I, I literally just got back like three days ago from Antarctica, where I was down there for three weeks doing projects in Antarctica, South Georgia, and the Falkland Islands. Two weeks before that, I was actually in South Africa photographing leopards. And then two weeks before that, I was up in Canada in the Canadian subarctic uh, working with polar bears. So I had a little bit of a mixture of all wildlife focused projects for the last two months. But uh, yeah, it's pretty much literally taken me pole to pole lately. Yeah, you've been I mean, that was even before the year started, you were gone. Yeah, yeah, it was the end of November, last two weeks of November, I was with the polar bears, had a little bit of a break, and then I was in South Africa for two weeks, uh, right at the beginning of their kind of summer season, which is really great, really green, lush colors out there, which is great to capture the lions and leopards and things with this green background. And then, as I mentioned, the beginning of the year, I essentially spent New Year's uh, Eve and New Year's Day uh, on a boat heading to Falkland Islands. And then from Falklands, I went to South Georgia and then South Georgia I went to Arctic Peninsula and then back through the Drake's Passage. Nice. Yeah. I, and and I, I definitely had, the, we, there was a, a, a quick glimmer of light where I thought I would be joining you, but it just didn't work out because I guess there wasn't space or something on the, on the um, ship that you were on. But I, one day I will be with you one day in Patagonia and one day with you in uh, Antarctica. I, I know that. And maybe, maybe even Africa. They're amazing places, man. You're gonna you're gonna love all of them. Cool. So let's um let's kick off this show and and really you know you're the first person that I wanted to like that I thought of when this topic that um is I've been thinking about a lot and discussed in you know blog posts and whatnot. But because you are you know so much of your brand and your business uh, is tied to your presence on all the kind of major social media platforms. 
I've been wondering because I, I hear from all kinds of pundits, but I, I, I don't remember, you know, you and I really having this discussion much. And what I'm talking about specifically is the impact of like, especially Facebook and uh, with, with their ridiculous year 2018, all their privacy uh, hoopla and their PR nightmares with, uh, you know, lying to customers about how data has been used and sold. Um, you know, you use Facebook very heavily in terms of, in, in two ways. One, you use it to foster, um, your, you know, community, building people around you. And then also you use it with your business page um, with how you share your photos. So you kind of have those two, two parts on Facebook separated or in a way. Like when I go to your Colby Brown photography page, I expect to see photos and that kind of stuff there. But when I go to your profile, you know, that we're, you know, we're connected as friends on, that's where I see more of the, um, it's a mixture of, you know, um, thoughts and sometimes, you know, the political stuff there. So how, like, ha has any of this, like, let me, let me actually, for me, I've been back and forth for the past few months. You can ask Nicole, like several times, seriously on the fence with flat out deleting my entire Facebook presence, like shut it down because I don't use it nearly to the, uh, the way that you do. So, you know, ultimately I, I didn't, but I would like to get your thoughts on the, one, your thoughts generally on all of the stuff that happened in this space with like Google plus dying and, you know, and, and then also how you approach something as I would say, you know, important, maybe controversial uh, as like, you know, your right to privacy and how Facebook is using it. Absolutely. Um, well, first off, I 100% agree. I think 2018 was a pretty crappy year for social media in general. I think there was just so many negative stories out there with the fallout of both privacy for Facebook, Zuckerberg, including Instagram, um, uh, as well as, you know, the, the literally the political and, you know, social economic fallout of the 2016 election and what, you know, how that made people feel so adverse towards this idea of online personas and and fake news and all sorts of other stuff um how you know to be honest how it affects me personally and business-wise has been very little uh, i mean business-wise it just you know i, I it, it's topics of conversation as you mentioned I, I i typically use my personal profile as a discussion launcher like whether it's political uh politically motivated or whether it's just you know stuff happening in the industry or travel stuff or stuff about my family like i'm pretty open i like to discuss topics that get people heated and um you know i i, I poke the bear sometimes just to, to you know spur those engagements but that's kind of my focus there whereas as you mentioned with my photography page because it's always just photography and I, I lump instagram in with my um uh, Facebook business page in terms of it's like you go to see pretty photos. You're not going there necessarily for tons of discussion. Um, it's just not necessarily the best place for it. But I think there is some reality to the pushback and, and to what's happening. And I think that we're in a space in the industry right now in, in the digital age of uh, of the Internet where people... Eh, it's interesting if you think about it historically, like we started off with a very hands-off approach to the internet in terms of these digital connections. It was very, um, you know, one-dimensional. It was, you go to a website, you read some text in, and you interact with it. Maybe you buy some stuff at the beginning of the 2000s. And all of a sudden we went to the dynamic, you know, stage where that was where YouTube and Vimeo and all these places just blew up. And then now we're in this kind of third social stage where people have really taken to this idea of, of, you know, digital content, but wanted to wrap in personal connections. And now we're kind of feeling some of that fallout or, or some of the negative side, like, you know, where's the double-edged, or not the double-edged sword necessarily, but the, the door swings both ways. When you want to have more people digitally act, you want to build these communities, you have this issue of, you know, anonymity and, you know, lack of, of honesty and all sorts of other stuff that's happening within the, within the internet space and tying this conversation back to photographers. I mean, think about what's happening right now with some of the pushback, not necessarily just from a privacy standpoint, but from the FCC, from influencer marketing, from all these other things where people are beginning to, again, distrust a lot of people that are interacting with some of it justified, some of it not um, with everything that's been going on. So, I, I think that I think that privacy is a serious concern. I think people should, you know, understand 
what they do when they sign up for any of these networks. I think no one reads the terms of service agreement, which is unfortunate. I look at every single one of them as a content creator. I want to make sure obviously that I own my content rights and I'm not giving up copyrights or anything like that. But most people don't. And I think that's a issue where you have uh, expectation versus reality, which I know is something we're going to talk about later in the the uh, this podcast as well. But I think this happens with social media. I think people go into it with this mindset that it's their platform. And when something breaks that mindset of this is my space, you know, pun intended, uh, and all of a sudden the reality check comes and it's like, no, they control your content. They own your information and they're going to use it for business purposes. They're a company. They want to make money. They have shareholders. And I think if you go into it with an open mind and understand that's the case, like I understand anything I put on there is going to be shared. Sometimes it's going to, you know, my images are going to be stolen or taken without my permission. Like if I go into it eyes wide open, I have much less surprise when something happens, like all of the bad stories that came out in 2018. Yeah. And I think the, so, okay, you, you brought a lot of points in, in my mind. There were a lot of questions that, that came up just dynamically. So I think you're hundred percent right in the first question I was going to ask. And I think you answered it was, um, I was going to ask, okay, so at any time did you consider like, um, yeah, you know what? This is too much. Uh, they've crossed the Facebook has crossed the line. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I, I think it's time to shut down and let me answer. Let me take a stab at answering. You tell me if I'm on the, on the nose or not, but based on what you said, I, I infer that for you, because one, you go into it, as you said, eyes wide open and you understand the, the, the you understand the risks in terms of one, that your data can be co-opted and used. And two, yes, it's, it's not necessarily that Facebook would be reusing photos that you share, but anyone else can screenshot it or grab it. Um, as such, with that said, the for you, the way you have leveraged social media in, in uh, to build your business and to generate income through developing partner relationships and um, you know uh, building your brand to fill workshops, that benefit outweighs the, I don't want to say potential risk because I'm not trying to minimize it, right. but but outweighs the one-off instance of either your photo being used against your permission uh, or that some data farm buys uh, you know the, the, the bag of, of data bits from Facebook and uses it a different way. Absolutely. And, and I, I think to extrapolate on that a little bit, I mean, if if we look at any of the major social platforms across the spectrum, all of them are doing this stuff. And, and I think that's a, again, just a reality check of it's a free service. And when you sign up, this is kind of what comes with it. Now, you know, to, to add a few little pieces into that, like for me with my workshops, which I, you know, teach between my two companies, usually about 20 a year, vast majority of people that sign up actually don't come from social. Um, I'd say maybe only like 15%. The rest of it is still organic search and word of mouth. Um, uh, so I, I, you know, that, that, that's an important distinction. And then the, t the, the stuff with giving your images stolen, I simply don't care that people steal my images. If it's for your, your average user, some guy in Turkey or Africa or, or here in the U S some kid steals it and uses it as their color photo, even if they act like it's theirs, I don't care. Because there's just too much of it that goes on. And unless they're using it for commercial purposes, in which case then I send a bill or DMC takedown notice, then it has, there's no negative side to it. And it's just a waste of my time. And for my companies, you know, I learned long ago, I've been doing this for 12 years, that my biggest asset is not necessarily the content I create. It's my time, it's time valuation. So I need to really prioritize those different pieces. So looping back to, to your um, your your response to or, or how you feel that I think about it, you're 100 right. I, I think that the at, at its core, while those uh, what you the points you brought up are certainly true and and are, are are real, the simple matter of the fact is that social platforms are still where the conversations are being had, whether they're business or personal. And what to me is really interesting that's that that is happening right now in this social space is that I find that the vast majority of people are, are content or complacent with their 
online, I don't want to say misery in, in such a negative space, but that's kind of how the, the, or the, the, the saying goes. Like, like people are unhappy with social platforms or with what's happening with Facebook, but they're not going to leave, at least in big numbers. And anytime a new social platform comes up, even one that has potential, people try it out and then they go back to their comfort zone, their, 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 their comfort meal. And, and even though they hate that meal, even though they dislike it, how it tastes, it's what they know. And so they always go back. And, and I just, I, I, I fear we're in a stage where we've gone past the, the time for, you know, where Facebook took over for MySpace and Instagram took over for Snapchat. Like, I just don't see another big platform coming out where the masses are going to go because people become so entrenched, both connectivity as well as um, psychologically to these platforms, whether they're positive or negative experiences. Yeah. So it's interesting you say that. Uh, because I remember towards the end of, of 2018, there was this article and I just found it. Um, so I think it was uh, New York Times. But basically, the, yeah, um, the the point was, uh, I, th I think it was New York Times. It was um, an experiment, a poll that they they um, conducted where uh, what would it cost someone? What, what would it take? How much money would it take for the average user to uh, leave Facebook? And it, um, it the, the the average answer was around a thousand dollars for someone to leave. The other thing is this, like you said, um, it's a complacency. It's it's a familiarity. People yeah. are 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 creatures of habit. I, I'm very you know I while I I certainly believe that an individual is capable of change. I do believe that for the most part, people as a whole just aren't do not change. You are who you are. You find your rhythm and you stick with it. And so, so let me ask you this again, from a photography perspective, we don't need to go down any political road or anything like this, but so photographers want to be able to share their photos. They, you know, like yesterday, for example, I went out on a hike, I was testing out some new gear and I wanted to, I was very excited to share the photos because fortunately the photos, I was very happy with how they turned out. So of course you go to social media and what if let's take it to Flickr. Because this is my uh, my in my world twenty you know twenty eighteen and especially twenty nineteen I'm a big bull right now I'm very bullish on Smug Mug and Flickr. Mm -hmm. Do you think enough photographers, if once they realize or they you know let's say to them there there's a line that's been crossed? Let me ask you this: F Flickr Pro fifty bucks a year. So what is that like? What's fifty divided by twelve? I don't know five bucks. Six. I, I'm whatever. It is. Let's, open, <laughs> let's open up. I'm going to open up the calculator. So 50 divided by 12 is 4.166. So $4.17 US a month, yep. which gives you no ads, uh, unlimited space. And um, because you're paying, there's no smuggle doesn't data mine. They don't do any of that stuff. Yep. Do you see, do you think that, the, that there is, is enough? Like if, if there was enough of this kind of like, notice do you see this as a better compromise like okay you know what we want the benefits of social media but we don't want the ugliness that comes with it that comes with as you said a free service where you are you know that that, that, the product. that tired yeah the tired analogy where if it's free you're the product yeah um do you see that as a as something that could maybe before all of this comp controversy this wasn't as big of a deal and clearly it wasn't because yahoo was or Yahoo um, Flickr Pro was available forever, but now with all this controversy, do you see this as now kind of like a, a vacuum that has been created that needs to be filled? I think well, a couple different points on that. One, I feel that the privacy backlash right now is—I don't want to downplay it, but it's overhyped based on echo chambers. People that are very upset, they tend to mag, you know, beg magnets towards each other, and then people think that everyone thinks like them. I think certainly there are people that are upset about the privacy issues. The reality for Flickr, in my mind, would be more come down to Instagram. And Instagram right now is less about privacy and more about people's reach and dis distaste for the algorithms and people's drop. I mean, I use Instagram a lot. I have 255,000 followers and I've seen my reach continue to drop where I used to average you know, 8,000 interactions per post. And now I'm down to four to five. And it just, this constantly is in change and flux and people are getting sick of it. And I think that leads for an opportunity for 
this specific industry to navigate there. The problem that that comes with is that if you have a group, if you have a social platform that is purely tied around a single individualistic um, passion, a vertical, you know, a, you know, photographies and video work, you're going to obviously attract another, a lot of photographers and videographers there, but you're not going to attract anyone else. And I think that is a big problem that you get from the biggest content creators out there are people that are doing this for a living. And unless they're in photo education, why would they go to Flickr? No one's buying prints, you know, or very few people are buying prints. Are uh, art buyers still going there? Are people, are, are companies licensing anything out of there? Like what else is being happened there? Because you need to have both your average user and your pro user, if you, however you want to label it, to kind of bring things full circle for a platform like this. And it's, it's kind of that funny, uh, you know, the, 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 the funny response that I get a lot. I mean, again, being big on social media, I get so many people reaching out with questions and stuff. And, you know, so often I get other photographers being like, how do I sell prints? And like, the reality is, is that most photographers are connected to who on social platforms, other, other ph photographers, other photographers. So you don't want to buy my print. I get it. You want to hang your own stuff in your office. So why are, why am I getting upset that I'm putting out some sort of Christmas special for 50% off or 90% off my prints and I'm pushing it out to other photographers besides the few people that just want to, you know, support a fellow photographer, you're not going to make any money. Um, and so it's just the reality of knowing where your audience is or knowing where your customers or clients potentially are that I think plays a role into something like Flickr taking off. And, you know, personally, I, I hope it does. I love Flickr. I love SmugMug or I enjoyed Flickr back in the day. Maybe I, don't, I didn't love it, but I enjoyed it. I think we are in a space where we need something new for the photography industry. But again, realistic expectations, I think, need to be had because, you know, again, it's the same thing. I see, I see the same people pushing out the same you know, promos and the, you know, the same products and services um, all the time on all these different social platforms, typically to a very photocentric audience that, that might not have the tie-ins for the stuff that you're going after. And, and this is the same for, you know, if you're creating marketing campaigns for companies or, you know, in the tours, uh, tourism or tech industry, uh, if you're, if you're, um, you know, trying to, you're, you're a, a wedding photographer and trying to get brides, like other photographers aren't your audience. And so you just need to have that, that knowledge going in. There are so many, so many good points here. Uh, I'm trying, I want to make sure I go in a good direction <laughs> uh, because, and you're right, you're 100% right. Where I do believe that the Flickr is in an ideal situation to cater to photographers who want to engage with other photographers. Meaning, yes, if, if the, the contingent of solopreneur photographers or, you know, photographers who have small businesses who are on Facebook think that th that going to Flickr will somehow yield a higher rate of return in terms of, you know, marketing and business. I think they'll be disappointed. It's, I see Flickr as more of this kind of, I guess the wholesome, but like a place where for photographers, by photographers, um, sharing photos, you know, engaging on those photos, I don't think that it would be wise for people to think that they can take any sort of existing marketing strategies that they have for Facebook and Instagram and try and think that it'll be, you know, it'll work the same way or at all. I don't think Flickr is a good place to market anything. It's a place to simply um, share and, 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 and engage around photography. And I do believe that I really hope, and I have no vested interest. I don't own any, um, I think, well, now it's Flickr's back to being a private company because it's owned by SmugMug. Um, I have no, I have no stake in this. I will say as a disclaimer that, that SmugMug has provided me with a pro account, but I've had a pro account for years. Um, they recently changed, you know, I, I've, I've paid for my Flickr pro account historically, but recently they gave me a pro account. With that said, I can tell you 100% that, um, even if they didn't give it to me, I would be paying for it because I believe that again, if you take, if you amortize $50 a year, we said it was $4 and 17 cents. Um, if, if being able to just simply have a, a platform that, that you care about, um, and is ad free and without the kind of toxicity of, for example, Facebook is important to you. And to your point, it eliminates all the other 
the other stuff. It's all photographers who are there. That's why you go to Flickr. Um, you, that might be worth it to you. And so it's something I hope people consider because there is no more clear signal to a developer, to a company um, that people are interested in your product than forking over money. There's no clear signal, period. No, no at mentions, no like, you know, I love the, you give people money, you give someone money there. Okay. We need to invest more in this. So what I want to do, Colby, is I want to ask you in terms of that, um, with, with regards to, um, people trying to make it, it is interesting. I like the part, the thing you brought up about photographers, just marketing to other photographers. You say, so you, the way you use social media, then um, you mentioned Instagram, how your engagement rate uh, has plummeted. And you've, we've been together, like when we were at Abraham Lake last January, 2018, like I remember you were talking about this too. And, you know, it's something that you take very seriously. And it's not just a tactic to, to, grow your, your engagement rate, you have all kinds of strategies of how you go about it. Like now I see you're leveraging stories a lot more. You're, you're really, you, you've gone into overdrive with um, uh, calls to action in terms of like asking questions and creating almost like a community on each individual post on Instagram. So to what end? Like I always, this is something that to me is like a, uh, a fascination in psychology of a photographer. And I think I know your answer. I'm not going to, I'm going to let you answer, but I, I always am curious when people are like, man, yeah, like my, my engagement rate has dropped. What? Okay, it dropped. You know it dropped because of an algorithm. It's not like you all of a sudden started putting out crappier work. Right. Let's assume your work has been consistent. You've put out strong photo every day. Why? What is the, what is your, you mentioned it, your engagement rate dropped. Why is that a concern to you? And what do you think the concern is for other photographers who say that? Yeah, so I, oh, I think there's twofold for that. There's one which is the more business side of things, or more the direct relationship, and that's where you know I'm working with companies and pushing stuff out there. And obviously, the higher engagement rate that I get, the more that I can charge to create campaigns and then share content I'd be sharing already uh, with more of a direct narrative that ties into a location, an experience, a product, things like that. Um, all stuff I, I believe in. Obviously, trust is important in this stage, but. Um, you know, the higher, the higher those numbers are, the more I can sell it. It's, it's, it, it's just that simple of a fact. Um, the vast majority of people are not obviously in my space with hundreds of thousands of followers and, you know, making, you know, six figures doing these types of marketing, you know, campaigns in, in a given 12 month span, but there is still a lot of space in there for people to to make some money either on the side or to make a decent living with micro influencers, which I know we've talked about before, I think on episode 20, um, you know, so there's that side of it. And then the other side of it is the same reason that people want to go potentially to Flickr or to Facebook or to Instagram is to share something that they're proud of and that they want to engage other people with and push it out there and have more people engage with it. Um, some of that's majority of that's probably driven by ego and confidence and maybe lack of confidence to be 100% transparent. But there is a unique nature to photography where 15 years ago, it was a very isolated art form. And now it's been democratized. It's been democratized because it's more accessible, because it's more affordable for people to buy cameras or to use their cell phones, but then also because obviously we're more connected through the digital space. So, um, you know, for, for people to essentially when those algorithms drop, whether people are taking that as my images suck now, or I don't know what I'm doing or whatever it is, the reality is, is that less people are seeing it, less people are engaging with it. And that's why I think, I, I feel that it hurts people. Um, I, I, I would recommend people to separate your ego and your personal attachment to your images outside of your work. That's, I mean, that's more of a business advice. I, I've always been good at compartmentalizing. I have you know, very little attachments to my images, especially when it comes to the business side of things. It's all, it's all numbers to me. Um, uh, and I have a few other stuff that I take that I separate out. And like when it's home, it's like, these are my favorite images and I could care less if they sell or do not like there, there's personal experiences that I'm tied to. Uh, but I digress. So coming back to your question, I think that photographer, I, I think the algorithm's always going to change and we need to figure out ways. I don't want to necessarily say to combat it because it doesn't need to be this kind of aggressive, you know, back and forth, but 
you know, it's this ebb and flow that happens in the social media space. And as um, these platforms change and evolve, we have to adapt and change as well. And, and as you mentioned, that's why I've gone to this community focused approach towards um, my page specifically with Instagram, where every single post, we have some sense of a topic, whether it's location based, whether it's, you know, some sort of educational style, I let the community kind of engage and answer with each other. And every once in a while to reward people, I do little giveaways. And a lot of these giveaways, instead of trying to reach new people all the time, I try to mix in at least more focus on building those communities where people get rewarded for engaging with each other. And that only helps the algorithms and helps me, helps my platforms, helps everyone else. I've had tons of people reach out to me and said their followers have started growing because they're interacting more. Um, so there's all sorts of benefits to this community development that happens in a place like Instagram. And I imagine would also, you know, also works in Facebook or Twitter and, and arguably Flickr. I don't know how necessarily their things are going to work if it's just chronological or whatnot, but there's usually as a program gets bigger and you know this more better than most, there has to be algorithms to help people see stuff. So if there is an algorithm, that means there is some sort of way through it. I don't know if that's the correct term, but there's some sort of way to work with it. And it's just a matter of finding and leveraging the, you know, those, those intricacies with each of these different platforms as we move forward. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I, I think it's uh, everything, you know, the, through the entire response, I agree on all your points. So let me ask you then, I want to start with why engagements rates are important to you and you know, my little anecdote. So for instance, when I worked at, at Wacom, I was the kind of like the first person, if someone, let's say you Colby or someone wanted to develop a business relationship with Wacom, odds are they would reach out to me and uh, with their pitch, whatever it is. Um, and the first thing I would do is I would, I would, you know, I, we, we, we spent a lot of money on a product called a platform called sprinkler, which is kind of like a content management system. And it gives me a lot of insights into any individual you know, based on their social media handles. Um, and so it, it, that would give me kind of a score. It, it ranks them. So that would be the first barrier, or not the barrier, but the first kind of, you know, gate or door. If the score was high enough where I felt like, to your point, if you're going to work with someone, you want to make sure that uh, there are a few, few facets. One is like, it, what's their reach? Because if the person has, you know, 200 followers, that's not exactly, you know, a, a, a good investment. Net. Yeah. Yeah. Then the, the then there's like the, the consistency and quality of work. And then there's also the engagement rate. And the engagement rate is, the, to me, that was something that um, I think is only a, still a relatively new idea for digital marketers. Because um, digital marketers, they, all they, for the longest time, they just, you would stop at the follower count. That's why, for, as you know, Colby, for the longest time, people were fixated on follower counts. And I don't think nearly as many people um, I think it's becoming more and more understood, but it's not the follower count so much as it's the engagement rate and the quality of engagement. So, um, it, it, we, you know, studies started to show, well, you know, people distrust, they don't, they don't necessarily trust, um, companies and they also don't trust mega influencers because it became clear that these are just like chills being paid to just say whatever they want. Pushing out a new product every day. Yeah. 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 It's like, and, and so, so what I would do is I would go to, this, you know, person A's various uh, profiles, and I'd look at some posts just at random, and I'd look at the comments, and I'd see, oh, 120 comments, awesome, and then I'd go into those comments, and I would weed out the ones obviously that are like, you know, the great image, comments. awesome, exactly, <laughs> exactly, love your stuff. I would look at the ones that are meaty, that have like, you know, meat on the bone, and then even more importantly, I would look to see if that person responded, the the individual, yeah. and let's just say nine times out of 10, never, never. That to me is a, a an instant indicate like, okay, you want to work with me. You want to spread the word of, of Wacom, for example, for us, it's not the, the, the influencer that we really, I mean, the relationship, that's a business relationship. That's a marketing relationship. And if you're marketing on behalf of us, where, where our most important asset is, is that customer, that end user. And if that person is turning to you as an, as a, a proxy, for the brand and they have a legitimate question or whatever, and you don't take the time to answer, well, that's not necessarily a very good investment on our part. Yep. So to your point, that's exactly why I think, you know, what you're doing is really smart. I don't want to say that, you know, you, you approach it shrewdly, 
but it is, it's a business. You, this is how you make your money. You're not out there working. Like I, like I worked at Wacom. That was my, my job for now I work for myself. And in order to make money, you need to treat it like a business. And part of, of, of a successful business is, is effective marketing. And so I always, that's one thing I always liked about our conversations was, um, the shrewdness, like this is business, sorry. Like, and to you, by extension, you talk about like the value of time and, and like, okay, you know what, my image, this or that, what am I going to get all in lather over this? Like, um, unless of course it's a commercial thing, in which case, yes, there you have some, some recourse. Right. So with that being said, what I'm wondering is what do you see as because so many photographers do seem to try to market, and I love the, the, the analogy of, of selling prints to other photographers, what is, what is the, the solution? Well, if we're talking about print sales, I think, again, this just, I, let me backtrack. The vast majority of business in any industry has not begun to be more complicated than it was 20 years ago. Like the core aspects of business, of marketing, advertising, branding has relatively stayed the same. There's been evolution within each of these different verticals in terms of how you market and stuff like that. But at its core principle, it's still the very basic notice of, of finding where your clients are, figuring out what their pain points are, and solving the problem for them. And I think that a lot of photographers look at business with... Uh, this negative approach where it's something they have to do, it's something they don't necessarily enjoy doing. And they look at it um, in this way that overcomplicates the whole process. And personally, I think that that is the personal attachment to it. It's this idea that creatives have to personally attach themselves to their work in every single aspect of what they're doing. And I think that just overcomplicates life. I think it overcomplicates the business side of things. So that's first and foremost. But coming back directly to your question, what you would do in that uh, in in the space in this world that we're living in is that you need to figure out where your clients are like if 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 you're marketing to other photographers and other photographers aren't buying your stuff you have a poor business model so how do you solve that uh the number one thing that i would probably do is i'd say go jump on linkedin which is actually my favorite network and i would go try to find art buyers or or art decorators or companies that are responsible for decorating high income homes like make connections, make inroads, pitch the right people that have the money and the purse strings in order to sell prints if you want to sell prints. Um, it's just a matter of, of figuring out whatever that revenue stream is that you want to do and trying to figure out how that river has adjusted and changed. Stock photography, periodical work, selling prints are all dinosaurs in the industry these days. You know, for vast majority of people that could have made six figures doing stock photography work 15 years ago are making pennies on the dollar now. You can still make some money if you invest the time and effort to check with the trends and to, you know, really focus on purely on stock photography. But for the most part, it just doesn't happen anymore. And the same thing happens for magazine articles. I love seeing other photographers, you know, pontificate about making covers of magazines. And that's great. It's great notoriety. But they're not telling you that they got paid 450 bucks for it. Like that's not covering your mortgage. That's not paying for your 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 child's healthcare. Like that's not enough. And so you have to figure out where these new revenue streams are. And the beautiful thing about what's happening today is that there literally is more money to be made in photography now than there has ever been in this industry. And this is because of a number of different things, but it's the democratization of photography that has both allowed for more competition, but allowed for more opportunities. And at the same time has allowed people to create new pathways. I've seen photographers that have created niches within time-lapse and motion-lapse photography that, or, or, or videography that are going gangbusters and just making tons of money now because they, they figured out what was happening. It was something new and they capitalized on it. And the same thing can be happening in, in marketing or different niches. And, and again, I, I think that the biggest issue that photographers have in this space outside of personal attachment is that is this whole idea of reality of expectation versus reality. You do not need to be a jet setting photographer and travel the seven continents and try to work with all the big companies to make it in this industry. If you find a local niche within your city, within your region, 
you generally have a much easier time. There's much less competition for you to work within that space, make a good living and still travel on the side and do other things. But I think this over-romanticized notion of what people like myself do has caused a, a unrealistic approach or, or, or reaction when things change and when things adjust, like the algorithms drop or other things happen. And that's more of a long conversation we should have some point about the whole business side of things and how there's a lot of bad information out there about this stuff and a lot of, of misinformation at the same time. But again, I think coming back again to your to, to this initial question, I, I think you just have to look at it more pragmatically and more organically and try to adjust things. Um, you know, look, look at your business revenue streams such as print sales or something else and find out where the clients are, try to figure out where the clients are and then play devil's advocate and work backwards. Yeah, I mean, um, to the point of like the establishing yourself locally, that's something that Sharky, um, you know, used to be my co-host and host of, of the Petapixel Photography Podcast. Um, he said that many, many times, uh, his, his, one of his uh, suggestions was to register with your, your local chamber of commerce and get known as, uh, you know, the local so-and-so photographer. Um, I, I agree also, you know, a lot, a lot of, so for me, my business model is very heavily dependent on other photographers. You t you touched this earlier because I, a lot of what I do is, is premium photography content and it's for photographers who of us, of, of the broadest demographic, meaning the kind of more of the, uh, entry level to somewhat, you know, um, novice somewhat. I usually say aspiring. Aspiring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of words, you know, touch words that kind of can either trigger a photographer. Like if it's, a, if you say hobbyist or amateur, that, that usually has this like weird negative connotation connotation, even though it's, there's nothing meant by it. Right. And so fine, you know, I understand that. And, and so my, my point is that I have tailored the way I market to that mind you like for instance just uh last week or the week before i, I launched a my a new pro new digital product and I, I touched on it on this show a couple episodes ago but i know that my audience predominantly where the ones that will i need to market to they're on my newsletter i made one post i think on twitter i think i made one story on instagram and that might be and maybe maybe one on facebook i don't even remember because i know to your point the people that I currently follow on those social platforms are, I would co consider my contemporaries, not necessarily in, in business, but in terms of like skill, these are people who are out there. They, they don't want my, my teachings. They don't want that stuff. They want to share their photos to your exact point. They don't want my prints. If I were selling prints, they will print their own stuff, which is also, you know, like I see like our mutual friend, Aaron Reed, who makes and sells these beautiful large prints and I, when i see his posts i'm like okay like w all i see in there is like um it's just he's like showing his success which I, I guess is is important but at the same time it's like i would have rather and i don't even you know i'll ask you this like for me i don't even believe that you know it used to be the case that like with facebook when i would have a product or something that I, or a workshop i would create an ad i would budget you know couple hundred dollars and I would create a targeted audience, you know, to, to, um, uh, to broadcast that ad to, as opposed to making a post and it would go out. But I believe, you know, ever since, especially last year when Mark Zuckerberg was like, well, you know, we really don't care about business pages anymore. You know, paraphrasing, we care about meaningful engagement. So while we might take a hit in, in, in terms of like ad revenue, you know, business pages will see less, you know, ads will see less of, of a return on investment. So you know, there's that, but let me ask you this. Let's say for the, 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 the percentage of the listening audience here, who's like, you know what? I, I just don't care about the photography as a business. Like I, everything you're saying is great. and makes sense. What about the people who simply they're in it because they like, you know, they love their photography and they're proud of it or they want feedback and they just want to share. Like, what about that in terms of like, if, if a rising tide lifts all ships in theory, then a, a, I don't know, lowering tide drops them, lowers ships. <laughs> Ground, <What>? grounds them, <laughs> grounds them, you know, moors them. Um, what do you think they should be doing in terms of like it, people who just simply want to grow an audience 
of uh, you know whether to of people to admire their photos or to engage with like what do you recommend there well again i think it comes down to the intent and it comes down to your end game of what you want if you really want actual feedback and you want to engage then you create a smaller community you create an instagram you know group on you know in group chat you create a facebook group page you do something that is a smaller night you know smaller knit grouping where you can post photos you can get feedback um but the larger you get the generally more challenging it gets to maintain and, and and to keep up so if you're truly focused on wanting to share stuff wanting to perfect your craft wanting to really get into the creative side find a group of five or ten people and share stuff with them there and get feedback and that's how you're going to get the best benefit and generally that's how you're not going to get affected by any of these algorithms as well um, if you really truly do want to reach people you need to again ask yourself why like what's the point what what is your focus is it just to share your knowledge is it to ultimately make some money? Is it for your ego? Is it, you know, to, you know, some sort of external validation? Like, like really dive in and ask yourself why you're doing these things. And the answer should kind of dictate your focus of where you would go, in my opinion. You know, if you truly are doing it for external validation, then I recommend seeing a therapist or doing something else because it's never going to solve your problem. It's never going to fill that hole that you feel inside that your images need to be validated and you need to you need someone else to tell you that your images are good for you to enjoy this process. Like it's just it's never going to happen. I don't you know mean to, to to give you some you know hard truth there, but it's just it's true. However, if you do want to just share your knowledge with other people, then you have to work to engage with other photographers and then you have to go where the photographers are, whether they go and go to places like Flickr or they stay on Instagram or they're in within some of these active groups on Facebook, which are still highly advantageous, which I think are, are a great place to check out that don't seem to be as hit as much as the, the, the algorithms. Um, or if it's the business side, again, you reevaluate what you're doing. I mean, coming back to Aaron Reed, Aaron Reed makes six figures doing print sales and he's done very well with that. It has nothing to do with social media. It has to do with his business prowess, both locally and connecting with art buyers and people that appreciate his limited edition prints. But why he posts stuff like that on social media is because he also offers a business course for photographers that he teaches a few times a year in Seattle. And so showing your success is a great way to market and say, hey, I'm successful. So maybe you should take this class, which is going to make me more successful and it becomes full circle. So there are benefits to doing those types of things, I truly feel. But again, it comes down to your intent and why you're doing it. I don't feel, I mean, I, I, I know Aaron, you know Aaron. I, I don't think he's fed by ego. He's a really nice guy. And so he's doing it for a very specific purpose, which is, which is great. I see other photographers every time they get a win. They're posting about it on social media. And to me, that's generally more so to feed the ego or to get that external validation. And the analogy that I bring up, which is not very popular, to be 100% honest, is to sit there and say that I don't see my local plumber sitting there and posting every time he fixes a sink. So if he's not doing that every time, you don't necessarily need to say every time you've made a sale or do these other things if you want to be perceived as doing a certain quality of work. And I think that's what it comes down to. You know, it's like, this again, like FedEx, you know, if FedEx was sitting there and posting out saying, hey, I delivered to Brian today. We made it. We, we made it on time this time. I wouldn't really want to be signing up for them because they should be doing that anyway. So if you're trying to show yourself as this, you know, professional that's doing work and you want to get professional pay, you want to work on that specific tier, then you want to have your online presence to be professional. You want to be like, you know, you, you the victories that you're showing off should be happening. I get, you know, I've had covers of magazines. I've had all sorts of other stuff. You don't see me sharing all about that all the time because it's what I should be doing being in this industry for 12 years. And if I wasn't doing it, I should have another job. And so right. again, whole another conversation for a bit of different business talk, but just a little bit of insight in, in that intent of where you should focus your energy and how you should, how you should go about, um, you know, solving your issue of whatever that is, whether it's psychological, whether it's business-wise, whether it's just, you know, altruistic and you truly do want to share and engage with other people, that choice should help dictate where you focus your energy and how you apply that energy. Totally. And and that is something that, you know, I, I'd, I'd said this several times across different mediums, including the show. 2017 going into 2018 was a, a very interesting uh, period for me, for my business uh, in 
learning some really good, tough lessons of what I need to be focusing on again, going back to time. And one of the things that, you know, I don't call them resolutions, I call them goals, but was really focusing on identifying the 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 streams. So I, I mentioned before that my business model, one of the big things is one stream is creating this content and marketing it and selling it, the educational content. But I also have several other streams where I, you know, I write uh, every month I'm a, I'm a, a contributor to um, with Matterport Publishing, which makes Digital Photo Pro Magazine, Digital Photo Magazine. I write in there every month uh, or every issue. My, my, I have an article in there. Uh, I write, I supply blog posts for their blogs. You know, all these things income comes in. I work with other companies similar to you uh, to create uh, content campaigns, albeit at, at smaller scales. But my point is rather than I, I've noticed, and one of the best things I love that both Apple and Google did was introduce these kind of screen time, like reporting that shows you how much time you're spending on Twitter and stuff. And if I, my, I've seen look, the, the, the bar chart go steadily down. I'd love, I'm not trying to get my, the, the same chart for my weight to go. <laughs> and it is, it's going yeah, down cold. Slowly. <laughs> so, uh, slowly, but surely. But surely. Um, but my point is that I get, I, I'm at this point where like, unless it's somehow, uh, applies to uh, some sort of some sort of revenue stream, and and you know you could say that it's like cold and calculated. And I I will respond saying that's business. Like you said, we need to make our. This is what we chose to do, and I'm not going to earn money by tweeting a thousand times a day and like you know being you know all, you you carve out this time, you make a business out of it, and uh, hopefully over time you develop enough relationship, the right relationships where whatever it is you want to do. Or let me, let me, actually, let me rephrase that. Hopefully, you figure out what you want to do, and then you also figure out which relationships you need to develop in order to earn it. And I think that w- that's that's one of the points you were trying to make is like, all right, if I want to do this, I need to know, I, one, I need to know that I can do it, but two, I need to know who I need to be speaking with. For me, a big chunk of this is I love creating content. So like, you know, at Photo Plus, you and I were there, and I had this opportunity to join F-Stoppers as a, as a staff writer, and you and I talked about that. I didn't think it would, um, I had no expectations or, you know, delusions that I'll be making tons of money, but it does bring in a couple hundred bucks a month. More importantly, it has opened up already. I just joined, I started writing in the beginning of November, opportunities with other companies um, that, you know, you can leverage. And again, someone could say, well, that's cynical or, or, or whatever. And I'll say, I don't, what's cynical that's, about it's it? It's not cynical. It's smart. I mean, I think that the idea of maximizing the valuation of every single thing that you do is smart business. And I, and I think that it's, it's, you know, I, I, I think to add in a small little antidote, I, I think that, I think that business, I think successful business in 2019 can't be, and I don't think you, you, you believe this, but it can't be purely cold hearted. Like, like, like you're, it's definitely calculated. But there, you have to enjoy it. You have to find the silver lining within what you're doing to enjoy it. I do spend a lot of time on Instagram answering questions and building this community. But if I didn't enjoy it, it would it make me miserable. I would burn out eventually. But I love answering questions. I literally have people like like I, right now. I probably have like 50 questions on there. And later on, I'll schedule 30 minutes. I'll go through and answer people's questions. And that not only helps me build those relationships, but I enjoy helping other people. It, it kind of fills in some of that. Um, you know, uh, need for me for wanting to be connected where there's also this, this, this tangible business benefit of building these relationships and helping feeding the algorithm and all sorts of other stuff. Um, but I think you're hundred percent, hundred, hundred percent spot on. I mean, I, I think, I think just so many people look at this stuff with such, you know, uh, obscure and, and, and negative eyes that it just creates a lot. Again, it overcomplicates the entire process. I, uh, yes, absolutely. And I do think, yeah, pe- uh, there's, I'm sure there's, there are tinges of, of jealousy mm-hmm. or resentment, which is, you can say, yes, it's, that is human nature. It's something I've worked on uh, because I've been guilty of um, many, many times, you know, falling prey to that, to those kind of base emotions um, or responses rather. And it's, it's taken a lot of uh, introspection 
something that's a theme of mine that uh, I've, I've, especially turning 40 uh, in September, uh, you know, using that as a, you know, that, that nice even round number as a, as a new um, checkpoint in life to really think about like, really, you know, is this the person I am, the person I want to be? It sounds totally, you know, woo woo and, and, and that. It's true. All that. It's true. Most, but most people don't ask those questions, man. I mean, that's the whole problem that we have in a society, which again, is a whole other bag of worms to talk about. But it's like there's this, we've created society that is built on consuming things that we don't want to fill needs that, that, that you know, can't be filled by this external validation rather than looking at ourselves and figuring out what do we want? What do we actually enjoy? And what are we doing for ourselves that is not necessarily truly selfish, but, but is, you know, somewhat altruistic in nature and, 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 and to try to figure out that pathway forward. But instead we're surrounded by people telling us what we need to have uh, to, to be happy, what levels of success we need to reach for us to, to, to find, you know, some sort of peace. And I, to me, it's just, it, it's, it's a, it's a whole big problem with our society in general, not just the photo industry. Certainly it's, it's a big part of it because that's what we're in. Um, but just, just this, this lack of self-awareness and, and, and self-understanding, I think is a, is a pretty sad thing. Yeah. And, and which is why I'm glad, like <laughs> I'll be, you know, traveling. So for the next four weeks, getting a little taste of, of, of Colby lifestyle, but it, it, it kind of, you know, I'll be put outside of the, the, I won't have the opportunity even to spend in front of a computer, for example. So, you know, I, I, here's the thing I'm looking we're almost at the hour mark and we there was a second topic that we want to I want to speak with you about and I want to still do that but I would rather follow up episode 51 with 52 with you if you have the time yeah uh, so that we can devote on that but even there was a you know a third topic that came out through this conversation that I, I want to save uh, for that episode so it's not you know I think there's there was a ton here um, so Colby, if you're, if you're cool with that to, to resume, uh, you know, sometime next week, we'll get, we'll get you for episode 52. Let's do it, man. I love it. Awesome. Uh, Colby, why don't you tell everyone, uh, one, where they can find you as if <laughs> they need to know, but two, like if there are any things like workshops or anything that, uh, or, or projects that you're working on that you want people to know, know about. Uh, share it with them now. Sure, absolutely. So, uh, of course, you can find me on colbybrownphotography.com or do a simple ser Google search for Colby Brown. Instagram is my really main focus these days in the social platform space, and that's just Colby Brown Photography as well. No spaces. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I constantly have a series of workshops going out. Right now, I'm mostly sold out of all my ones for the next few weeks um, leading up into uh, second quarter with Iceland, Norway, and Patagonia. There's maybe a spot or two available. If you're interested, you can check out the website. And then I'm about to launch all of my stuff happening at the end of the year, which is more wildlife focused, where we have projects in Uganda with the silverback gorilla, Namibia with the cheetahs, uh, trips to Antarctica, Brazil with the jaguars, uh, pretty much all over the globe. So it's going to be a lot of fun wildlife adventures. And so is there like um, a list or something if people are interested, they can sign up for? Yeah, if you go to colbyrunphotography.com and you check out the workshop section inside there, there's kind of like a waitlist sign up and that's waitlist for not only sold out workshops, uh, but also for new launches. And I have within that kind of a form where you can, um, you know, click the check boxes for which ones you might be interested in. And then when these get closer to announcements, then I send out broadcasts and we'll let you know that if you want to sign up, because most of them sell out pretty quickly. And I'll, I'll, I'll even put it out there that um, I might, depending on how things play out, might be joining you in Iceland. You have, I think, uh, one, one or two spot, last minute spots that opened up. Uh, so uh, if I'm there and you're, someone out there listening is interested and they want to go shoot some uh, Northern Lights and ice caves and stuff with, with Colby and possibly with me, go check out Colby's uh, website. Um, throw that out there for you, my friend. Um, everyone, uh, of course, you can check out the show notes at nonamephotoshow.com. I'll link to all of Colby's uh, uh, profiles as well as his workshops. And uh, I'll link to that, that Facebook story about what people would spend, you know, they would take $1,000 to leave Facebook. Um, and you can find me at matias.com, M-A-T-I-A-S-H. Uh, and uh, I'm at Brian Matias on, I'm also mostly on uh, Instagram. I've been spending a lot more time on Flickr, uh, to be honest, just because I, I, I'm hoping that, with the 
with all the the changes that they're making that they've made and will continue to make that that will be a place where photographers will really find uh, one you know that it's worth dropping the fifty dollars and I make no bones about it. I do think people should spend money, put their money where their mouth is if they want a place that's kind of you know for photographers by photographers. Um, and so to the audience, of course, more than anything, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have Colby back for the next episode. So you already know, you know, who's going to be here. No surprises, <laughs> no surprises. Uh, Colby, thank you so, so much for, uh, yet again, another wonderful conversation, really thought provoking. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Thank you everyone. Thanks, man. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the No Name Photo Show. Don't forget to check out the show notes at nonamephotoshow.com and be sure to subscribe in whichever app you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss a beat. Let's do this again next time.